You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. Hey, well, welcome. Welcome to church. My name is Keith. I'm the uh, campus pastor of Renew Life in Lubbock and um, obviously was here on staff in Midland for, uh, for two, a little bit over two years. And most of you know me, but for those of you who don't, that's who I am. And I get to come back and, and just kind of share and preach uh, ever so often with you. So I'll be with you for this week and next week. So I'm, I'm excited just to come and, and just share, share some messages with you. I started off this message actually um, two weeks ago and uh, preached it to the Lubbock campus and want to kind of bring this same word uh, to you today. Um, today I want to talk to you about something that Jesus actually preached on and talked about multiple times in Scripture. And in multiple times in Scripture, we see Jesus speaking to us about bearing fruit. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to bear fruit. <laughs> Jesus came and he taught many, many messages and had many, many references about us producing fruit, um, us bearing fruit, that there should be fruit in our life. There is the fruit of the Spirit. There is a scripture in John chapter 15 we're going to read today where when we are connected to him, we produce fruit. In fact, Jesus even said these words. He said about people, he said, you will know them by their, by their fruit. You'll know them, you'll know people, by their fruit. You see, Jesus, he expected us as believers, as followers of him, he actually expected us to prove it. Look at your neighbor and say, prove it. <laughs> in other words, there should actually be evidence in our life that we are followers of Jesus. People should be able to look at our life and say, he follows after the Lord. People should be able to look at your life and say, man, she knows her word and she, she actually acts it out. You see, when we walk through life, there should be something in our life that, that, that is, that there should be something hanging off of our life. And when people get around it, they should sense that you are carrying something that maybe they don't have. I'm talking about more than just being the light of the world. I'm talking about more than just being a light in a dark place and, and, and being an example. No, I'm talking about actually carrying the fruit of following after Jesus. What kind of fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Good. I'll go back to that one. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. There should be fruit in our lives. John chapter 15, Jesus is talking to us about fruit, and, and, he, and, he, and he says this. I kind of want to lay a foundation for us to launch off of tonight, and I want to read verses 1 through 8. John chapter 15, he says, I'm the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Notice how much he is into fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me. Come on, say remain. Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Notice that. Those who remain in him. Those of you who remain in Jesus, it's not, a, it's not a maybe, 
It's not a if you do all things perfect. It's not if you get your life right. No, when you remain in Jesus, there is one outcome. You produce fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and wither. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Verse 7, I really want you to pay attention here. It says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Now, I kind of want to pause right here and just kind of talk about remaining in Jesus. Because if, if, you're, if you're like me, you hear, you, you read things like this, and you, and you read something like, okay, I'm supposed to remain in Jesus. I'm, he's the vine, I'm the branch, I'm supposed to stay connected. It's like it's all a really good word picture. That word remain is all really, really great. But how do I actually do it? What does it really mean to be connected? What does it really mean to remain in Jesus? You know, I don't see Jesus every day. I'm not walking around. With, I can't reach out and touch him. I can't make sure that I'm, you know, <laughs> sorry, I just, within six feet of him. So the COVID joke right there. Um, it's like I, I, I have, how, how do I do this when I don't even see him? Well, he gives us a hint how we are to remain in him in verse 7. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Did you know that if his words remain in you, you're remaining in him? Did you know that you can't actually separate Jesus from the word because Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus? If you don't know that teaching, there's a bunch of teachings out there about that. About that. But John chapter 1, verse 1, it says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Who was the word? Capital W. It was Jesus. One of the, the tangible ways that we as believers today can actually remain in Jesus is we let his words remain in us. And that means when we hear his word, we let it sink in. When we hear his word, we actually do it. We, faith without works is, so we, y'all know your Bible? Faith without works is, okay, I knew y'all knew your Bible. Okay, so it's, it's, it's letting those words get deep down on the inside of us. Even the words we disagree with, even the words we don't want to believe, even the words that rub us the wrong way, even the words that convict us. You want to know how you remain in Jesus? You let his words remain in you. He says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. See, what I want you to get out of this scripture right here today is that there's a direct correlation between remaining in Jesus and remaining in his words and fruit. It's not only Jesus that produces fruit in your life. His words produce fruit in your life. The word, scripture, the Bible, it was given to us. And when you hear it, it, is, it, it has a, a it, there's an outcome that happens whenever you actually receive it the right way. It will produce fruit. But the question I want to ask you today is, why is it that there are some in the body of Christ that produce fruit and there are some that don't? When you look around, you've been going to church for some time. Don't worry, you're not, I'm, not, I'm not calling you out. I'm just, just, uh, I'm just telling the truth today. When you go into going to church for a long time, you can tell there are some people who are producing fruit and some that aren't. Come on, I know y'all may not have said it this way, but y'all thought in your head, oh, he's for sure not producing fruit. Oh, did you see her? 
She got fruit, but it ain't good fruit. It's some bad. She's, she's producing fruit. It's just bad. We can kind of see it in the body, can't we? Well, let's just make it a little bit more personal. Why is it that there are seasons of our life where we produce fruit and there are seasons when we don't? Anybody ever been through a season where you were not producing any fruit? I'll raise my hand. If you've been doing this for some time, you realize, okay, man, I was really producing fruit and now it seems like nothing is happening. Why is that? Well, it's actually the question that I want to answer answer today in, in, in the message. And so I want to title the message. All my youth pastors are going to like this title. The title is Fruit Stoppers. Fruit. Okay, maybe I just liked it. I liked it a lot. Fruit fruit stoppers. I wanted to go with fruit blockers, but fruit stoppers just sounds better. How many, show of hands for fruit blockers would have been better. Raise your hand. Fruit stoppers? Yes. Okay, good. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Y'all made me feel really encouraged just then. I'm ready to preach now. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word that is life, that has power on it, and that changes us. We open up our heart to receive your word today and say, and we, and we tell you, God, come and change us. Give us a new thought, a new way of, of, of living. I pray that you expose bad ideas, wrong ideas, evil ideas that we've believed. And we replace them with your truth today. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Amen. Um, there's, a, there's a parable in Scripture. It's, um, it's called the parable of the sower. Many of you know about it. It's a very well-known parable. In fact, if you look throughout Scripture, we find this parable is actually in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'm not sure what John was, was on, but he didn't, he didn't actually get it in there. But three out of the four Gospels have this parable. Now, if you kind of study the Bible like I do and you've been following Jesus for some time, you realize if, if, if Jesus... If, if, if the Holy Spirit inspired it that many times, we should probably pay attention, right? If it's repeated in gospel after gospel, there's really something that he's wanting us to grab hold of. And in this parable, it's, it's, it talks about a, a, a farmer that scatters seed. And this seed falls on different kinds of soil. And you, you know the story. The, the soil, based on what, what, what kind of soil it is, it produces different things. There's different things that happen to the seed. So kind of let the cat out of the bag before we read this parable today, just to kind of let you know what all these things represent. The seed is the word of God. Come on, say the word. The soil represents our heart or represents us just as human beings, different types of people. Many would say it even represents the condition of our heart. That, that we could actually, it, it represents one person with multiple conditions of their heart. Does that make sense? So here we, we read in, in Matthew chapter 13, this is Jesus talking, he's trying to teach us something. He says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate, and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. This, the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times <clears throat> as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. 
Now, I love what happens next in the story because Jesus is teaching not only his disciples, but a whole group of people. And he says that comment, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And you see after he shares this message that his disciples pull him aside and say, we ain't got those ears because we are not understanding. And he's like, hey, can you please explain what you actually meant by this parable? And in verse 18, he begins to explain. He says, listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed that the, <clears throat> that on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit, look at this, no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Man, there's just a, there's a lot of a rich goodness in this parable and what Jesus is actually trying to show us. The first thing that I want to point out to you tonight is this. Did you notice that the same seed that produced no fruit in one person's life is the same seed that produced a hundredfold in another's? <clears throat> Let me say it this way. The same word that produced no fruit in one person's life, produced a hundredfold in another person's life. And can I just, can I just say it this way? <clears throat> what, what Jesus is trying to, to, the point he's trying to get across, it's actually never the word's fault that there's no fruit in your life. The word is never wrong. The word never doesn't work. <laughs> The word always works. The problem is not with the word. The problem is never with the seed. The problem is, is with the, the soil that the seed actually falls on. Can I tell you, as powerful as the word of God is, it will do nothing unless it has good soil to fall on. As powerful as it is, as life-changing as the word of God is, it must find good, fertile soil to fall on in order to produce fruit in your life. You know, I meet so many people who they, they, they walk through life and, and, and just, just pursuing God. And they pursue kind of one of these things like, let, let me just give an example, like healing. And they go after laying hands on people and, and praying for healing. And, and, they, and they have, they, we all go through kind of a struggle where we don't see uh, uh, an immediate manifestation of healing on somebody. Or nothing happens at all. Not, no, no change physically. You didn't feel nothing. They didn't feel nothing. Your prayer was even bad. Like it was just a whole bad experience. And when you're actually trying to pursue God and trying to live a life of faith, one of the things that you ha have to be careful about is that when you do that and you don't actually experience the very thing that the Word says you'll experience, the, 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 the trouble is you'll try and you'll take your experience and you'll actually put it above the Word of God. And you'll say this, my experience is more real than His Word. 
You'll even say things on the inside like this, that works for them, but it doesn't work for me. They can do it, but I can't. Or you'll go as far as say, well, maybe this word just isn't true to today. And we'll begin to even just blame the word. Well, you know, I, those, those pastors, man, they always got to talk about tithing, but I've tried the whole tithing thing and it doesn't work for me. It must work for other people, but it don't work for me. Really? We believe that kind of stuff. Oh, man, you know, I, I heard that, that whole renewing your mind, you'll be transformed. I've tried the whole renewing your mind, doesn't work. And we, we actually blame the word, not realizing that it's never the word's fault. It may actually be that the word fell on a soil that wasn't ready. It fell on a soil that wasn't going to produce fruit, no matter what word landed on it. <clears throat> Can we just get real with ourselves today? Today, I'm not here to condemn you or, or fill you with shame. I'm here to reveal um, something that may be in your life that's actually stopping fruit from being produced. See, there, every time you open the Bible, every time you hear a message, did you know that every word from God has fruit-producing power in it? Every word. Every single thing you read and spend time, anything you spend time with Him in, it has the power to produce fruit. Let's stop blaming the word for our lack of fruit. Amen. I remember I was talking to a, a friend of mine and I was walking him through just a tough time in his life. He was really, he was honestly just being tormented by thoughts and he just couldn't grab a hold and, and take hold of these thoughts. And I, so he called me one night, he was really struggling and I was talking to him and counseling him through it. And I was like, well, have you, have you been renewing your mind? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I've been renewing my mind, but it's just not working. And I was like, okay, renewing your mind isn't working. Okay, let's, let's see, what else? What? I went down my pastor list. Okay, renewing your mind. Okay, well, maybe you need a demon cast out or something. You know, you immediately go to, if the first thing you say doesn't work as a pastor, you're like, demon. It's got to be a demon. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't really do that. <laughs> but I just began to kind of talk around, talk around that idea like, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, I was just, I was just honestly, I was be, doing a horrible job at counseling this guy. I was just kind of jabbering, trying to find my way to an answer. And finally, the Holy Spirit was like, huh, renewing your mind, does it work? And I was like, hmm. So, so I asked him on the phone, I said, so you said you've been renewing your mind. Uh-huh. So tell me about, like, tell me what, what, do you, what have you been doing? How have you been renewing your mind? It's like, well, you know, the first couple days, you know, like I would wake up and listen to K-Love. It's like, that never works. No, I'm joking. <laughs> he didn't say that. He didn't say that. It's like, no, I, I try to listen to worship music. And, I, you know, when it comes, I, I was like, okay, yeah. So the first couple days, what, what are you doing now after, you know, two or three weeks? It's like, well, you know, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm not renewing my mind. I was like, okay. Because here's what I know. You have the power to take over your thoughts. And you can renew your mind or God wouldn't tell you you could. And if you will renew your mind, you actually will get transformed. If you renew your mind and you, stop every, you take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, every thought that comes in that you feel like you can't deal with, you can deal with it. You just need to start renewing your mind. Because the word works. 
Sometimes we need to do what we already know how to do. And sometimes we need to get rid of things in our life that are actually stopping the word from actually working. I want to I give you five, five of those things that can actually stop the word from producing fruit in your life. We're going to call them five fruit stoppers. Five fruit stoppers. And we're coming right out of, out of this scripture. And Jesus actually reveals these five things as things that will hinder fruit from being produced in your life. What's number one? Number one is a lack of understanding. A lack of understanding. <clears throat> Remember in the, in the parable, he said it was like the, um, the, the, the seed that fell on the footpath and the birds ate it up represents those who hear the word and don't understand it. And because there is a lack of understanding, it opens the door for the enemy to come in and steal the word that you just heard. Now, you have to learn, you have to know this about God, know enough about his character to realize he's not telling us this as like, hey, just want y'all to know all the smart people, they're going to they're gonna get fruit in their life. All the dumb people, sorry. You just can't understand it. The enemy's going to come and steal it every time. He's not, that's what he's not saying that. What he is saying is if there is a lack of understanding, it is your job as the mature believer that you are to, to dig into that word until you find understanding. If you stop, the enemy will steal it. It's on us to go after understanding. It's not on the pastor to, pre to preach a better message. It's not on the, the guy you're listening to on the podcast to explain it better. No, if you, if you don't understand it, you've actually got to go and dig it out and get, get after it yourself. Proverbs chapter 4 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. But it goes on and says, And with all thy getting, get understanding. Understanding doesn't always just come to us. We actually have to go out and get it. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, go get it. <laughs> you, go get it. Look at your other neighbor that you don't like as much and say, you, go, I'm kidding. <laughs> go get it. We have to go get understanding. Number two, the other, another fruit stopper, a lack of endurance. A lack of endurance. I want to read this parable out of Mark chapter 4, this, this specific part in there. He says this, These are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves. Notice that this root isn't in Jesus. It's no root in themselves. Are we catching this? In other words, this is about what's on the inside of you. They have no root in themselves. But endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. I love this one because it kind of gives you a, uh, it kind of lets, gives you some hints at, at, to, to let you wrap your mind around if this is you or not. So I can read this and it's like, okay, am I the one that, that hears the word and I immediately receive it with joy? And I get all hypey and get all passionate about it. And then two weeks later, I can't even remember what the word was. <laughs> well, maybe not remember. I don't remember the messages I preach ever two weeks later. So I'm not saying that. Don't, don't beat yourself up for that. But it's like, you, 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 know, you know what I'm talking about. You've, we've all been there. We're like, oh, you hear the word and you get all, all passionate on, on Sunday. And Monday, you're, you're kind of passionate. On Tuesday, you're like, eh. 
You see, in order for fruit to be produced in our life, there are times when we, we actually have to wrestle with the word that we get. And we let it sink down deep on the inside and we think about it and we ponder it and <clears throat> we apply it to our life even though we don't understand it all the way. And it's, uh, we, 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 we do things with the word out of, out of faith. We live by faith. But notice that this person that doesn't produce fruit, it's, it's not that they don't endure. It actually says they endure for a while. They just don't endure long enough. There's perseverance that we have to go through in his word. I, I told the story in the first service. How many of you know who Todd White is? You know who Todd White is? He has a ministry in Dallas. And I, I, I watched him when he was at his very beginning watching YouTube videos where he was going around healing people on the street. And he was an amazing guy. But I heard this testimony. He has an amazing healing ministry. Goes around touching a lot of people and healing a lot of people. He actually said that he prayed, he prayed for 100 people before he ever saw his first miracle. Can you imagine laying hands on people in the street 100 times until you saw something? What do we see here? We see fruit in his life because he endured and persevered with a thing that he knew was true. He didn't let his experience steal it. He didn't let experience after experience tell him that it wasn't true. No, he wrestled with it and kept going after it, and he endured for as long as he could, and all of a sudden, fruit just started, and it's probably just little bitty fruit at, at, at first. But you see, when we don't have endurance, when we don't persevere, it actually stops fruit from being produced in our life. I want to hit on one more point before I move to the next one. What's fascinating about this scripture, notice that it says, it says they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. On account of the word. Did you know that the enemy doesn't just attack you in just a general way? You know the enemy doesn't come at you and, and just kind of, he, he, he doesn't come and be like, all right, what do I want to throw at him today? All right, let me just pick fear and use it on them this time. You know how the enemy actually attacks? You know where you're going to find trouble and persecution? It's going to be, you're going to find it in the word that you actually know. You know what the enemy wants to attack? He wants to attack the word you know. He wants to attack the, the thing that you're going after. So he's going to come and he's going to attack you on account of the word. You can expect some persecution and some tribulation on the word that you hear and on the word that you're trying to walk out. In other words, if you want a financial miracle and you want to believe God for your finances, guess what? There's probably going to be a time where you get tested in your finances. The enemy wants to, he'll even send stories your way where you hear about the time it didn't work out for that person. And that, you want to know why? Because he just wants to give you a little bit of doubt so he can stop the fruit that's about to just burst through in your life. It actually comes on account of the word. Here's the good news about this one. You want to know how you actually produce fruit? You just endure. Just take out the lack and just keep on pushing, baby. <laughs> you just got to keep going. There's nothing else that you can do. You just have to keep persevering until you see what you want to see. Amen? Not encouraging, but true. <laughs> Number three, what's another fruit stopper? Here's a big one, worry. Worry. 
He said there were some that were sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. You know what this tells me? You're producing fruit. The problem is, is that you have so much worry in your life, it's actually choking it out. And you're, you're, you're just getting dead fruit. You know what worry does? Worry steals your thoughts. It steals your emotions. It messes your whole inner world up. And more than anything else, worry t- it literally takes over your whole being. So I want you to picture this. When you have worry in your life, you actually can't give full attention to the word that you just received. You can't give it the attention that it needs. You can't chew on it. You can't work it, work it out. You're, because you'll start down the road, and, but as soon as you wake up the next day, you're worried about the thing you've been worried about your whole life. And now all your thoughts, all your faith, all everything just goes into dealing with that fear. What is that? What's happening? Worry is literally choking out. It's choking out the word that could be producing fruit in your life. Worry isn't just something that we need to stop doing. Worry isn't just a sin that may be in our life. Worry robs you of your fruit. We should get ticked off at worry. It's time for the body of Christ to stand up and be done with this whole worry thing. It's not okay. Many Christians believe this. Well, I worry because I care. That's the lie of the enemy. We don't don't worry because we care. We worry because... Ultimately, we just don't trust God enough in that area. That's really what it's about. So how do we get rid of that? We find every scripture we can find on, in that area that we're dealing with, and we bring that, bring that light to that dark area, and sooner or later you'll begin to believe him more than you believe your thoughts. You see, if you have worry in your life, Every time you hear a word, it has the potential to get choked out before it actually produces everything it needed to produce. Number four, the lure of wealth. The lure of wealth. Many of you are business people in here. You own your own business. Many of you are just kind of business-minded. <clears throat> Scripture says there, it's the deceitfulness of riches that chokes out the word. Many of us wake up and we think about how can I make that money? <laughs> I got to make that bread, man. I got I got to get this and I got to get that and I got to I got to make some money. And I'll just say this, it's okay if you want to make money. It's okay if you want a lot of money. I would love a lot of money. And I know and don't look at me like you wouldn't love a lot of money either. There ain't one person here who wouldn't love a lot of money. In fact, the Lord wants to bless you with a lot of money. If he can trust you with it to be generous to others, he wants to bless you with a lot of money. Some of y'all have a problem with that. Well, here, let me give you a scripture. It doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil. God will give you as much money as he can until it takes over and it becomes the love of your life. How much can he trust you with? You see, money can be one of these things this this lure of i want to i want to make more i need to bring home more we we get in this see see it, it, we've all kind of been there you know what's happening it becomes such a distraction 
that it literally becomes the only thing that we're focused on. Again, the word is getting choked out by the lure of wealth. And then number five, the desire for stuff. (laughs) It's the best way I could put that. This is a little bit different than just pursuing money or the deceitfulness of riches because it doesn't really matter how much money each of us have. We all want stuff, don't we? We all think about stuff. I even make a bold prediction and say there's, not, there's never been a generation who has dealt with this desire for stuff more than our generation. And you want to know why? Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. I mean, you are, you are literally one swipe away from whatever you want. Literally. Come on, how many one swipers do I have out there? Y'all are just like, see, I got to call y'all out for a second. I'm a one swiper. You want to know why you set up the whole one swiper? Because you don't want to give time for the Holy Spirit to convict you. You just want to buy it real, real quick. It's like if I, if I can just swipe real quick, he can't tell me no. All right. Sorry, Lord. It's already coming. It's literally already being shipped right now. I can't cancel it, God. Forgive me. Oh, but I've seen this so many times in my life. Just start desiring. And hear hear, hear me. This is a a strategy of the enemy. He'll just, he'll play with you with, with the things that you really like. And now he doesn't even have to work real hard because Instagram will just feeds you all the stuff that you like. As you're going to see that necklace, you're going to see that purse. That purse is coming around all the time. That, I'm trying to relate to the ladies, I'll stop. Okay, that truck, that truck is going to come around all the time. You'll just start, that, that snow, new snowboard you want to buy, oh, it's coming. That new gun, oh yeah, that new bow, that new hunting trip, that new, whatever. you just, it just comes at you. And the enemy wants to do that, not because he's wanting you to, not have this or just kind of dangle something. No, all he's trying to do is just to distract you because if he can distract you, then no fruit will be produced. He's just trying to rob you of your fruit. If you're here tonight and you're just consumed with something, oh, I got to have that. I got to renovate that part of my house. I got to have that vehicle. I got to have that job. I got, hear me tonight. Get rid of that because it's a thorn in your garden. And God's wanting to produce some big things in your life. But you're distracted. Last thing I want to close with, the question kind of remains, you know, how do I get this fertile soil? How am I the one that's 30, 60, 100 fold? I mean, cool, I know all the things that I don't need to do. What about the one thing I do need to do? Well, I've got really good news for you tonight. You know what I believe? I believe that the fertile soil is actually already placed within you as a new believer. He transformed you, made you a new creature. You already have a heart that is able to receive and produce fruit. The problem is not if you have fertile soil or not. The problem is you've got too much stuff in the fertile soil. Here's what Jesus was teaching. If you want to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold, get rid of these things. If, if, if you don't understand something, go get understanding. 
If you have worry in your life, get it out. If you have the lure of wealth just distracting you, get it out. If you have a lot of stuff you want to grab hold of, get it out. If you just aren't tough sometimes and you just need to, just need to endure or persevere sometimes, just, just strap up your, your, your boots and just keep on going. You've got what it takes. You've got the very thing on the inside of you. I don't have better, better soil than you do. The person sitting next to you does not have better soil than you do. The potential is in you. Just remove some of this stuff and I guarantee you fruit will be produced. Luke chapter 8 verse 15. As for that and the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart. And they bear fruit with patience. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.